Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. And uh, today I want to I preach a message that I believe is vitally important. Again, in this place we have so many different possible backgrounds, so many different ways that we were raised, so many different ways we were taught, and some here... Uh, have just came to know the Lord just in the last few weeks and months, and some are, are maybe have never heard the gospel before. We don't ever take for granted. Matter of fact, we try to preach that way, knowing that we're constantly at the square in Denton. We're constantly passing out Jesus cards. We're constantly at, uh, doing one-on-one evangelism, trying to get people into the church. And so we're hoping that there's people in every service that maybe have never heard the gospel before. And so we understand that, and that makes it difficult sometimes because there's so many different backgrounds and so many different thoughts and so many different things. And, but how many know that God's Word, no matter what's preached, His Word comes through every time? And when we speak His Word, it touches every person that needs to be touched, and it eventually g- brings us to a place where we have to make a decision. And make a decision of whether we want to obey God's Word or, or we want to continue to do what we're doing. I want to ask you to raise your hand. We did that on Wednesday, and if you didn't listen to Wednesday's message, go back and listen to it. There's hope for your situation, always hope for your situation, but this, this place is full of a lot of ex-messed-up people. We had people stand up from all over that had been to jail, that had to have marital problems, that had had drug problems, alcohol problems. I mean, along, everybody, lots of people stood up. Some people stood up for all of them. But this is a hospital. And this is a place where people can get healed and delivered and set free and transformed. But it doesn't happen by just walking into a building. It happens by lining our lives up with God's word. And there's a lot of things that, as I say, as we grow up, uh, some, some may have never, I could ask you to raise your hands, but I'm not, some, some of you have maybe been raised with absolutely zero God in your life. Never even thought about church. You may have been raised here in church every Sunday. And then you were taught by a church, certain things and certain beliefs. I want to tell you we have a huge advantage this morning that a lot of the people that come here regularly don't, don't realize. We're a non-denominational church. And that, whether you know that or not, it's, it's a blessing. Because when we talk about something that we're going to talk about today, we don't have an affiliation with a group of, of churches in the sense of a, a doctrine that was based through a denomination that was made hundreds or uh, 500 or 1,000 years ago or whatever, and, and, and then people walk in and automatically think, okay, they believe this way or they think this way. Our goal is to believe what this says from the beginning to the end. Every word, full gospel. Amen. We do have a, a group of churches that we belong to, but we're not a denomination. So it, it really is a blessing, especially for days like today. Because I want to talk about a subject, and I'm going to put the title up in a moment, but I want to get you prepared for it a little bit, that some here may not, it won't even mean anything to you in the sense of you don't even know what it means, or you've never thought about it, and I understand that. That's, that's a real possibility, but there may be some people in here who have heard it and have, have a thought about it, and there may, may be some here who um, have just been set in their ways of how they believe for a long time, and maybe, possibly, could we make it possible that we could be in error. I mean, no, we could sometimes be in error in our beliefs if they're not lining up with the Word. I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying we are. But there are a lot of things that are taught in our lives, and a lot of times we are very good at believing things without checking them out for ourselves. And we're living in the generation right now that it has to be the most biblically illiterate generation ever. 
where we, we don't read the Bible like we should. We're, we're, and I'm not saying this to be mean. It's just the truth. We don't. Uh, we're, we're, and we have more distractions than we've ever had before. We have all the social media, and we have so much, as I said earlier, stimulation, and so we're constantly being bombarded with different things, and, and sometimes we don't take the time we need to, to read this book that really is the thing that can keep us right and get us to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity in heaven with God. I don't want to go to hell, and I know hell exists. And I want, I want to not only not, don't, not want to go to hell and I want to go to heaven, I want to please God. I want to honor God. I want to, I want to glorify him with my life. Does anybody else want to do that? Not just make it, but, but glorify God. And so we have to line our lives up with the word. And so, again, I'm going to put the title in a second. I do want to give a disclaimer. You know, hear me out. Don't, don't if you're from this kind of background or have this kind of, of teaching, don't, don't get up and leave. Don't get angry. Don't shut me down. At least wait till the message is over and see if the Holy Spirit can speak something to you. Because I'm going to preach straight from the Bible, as I always do, and I always try to preach exactly what God says and not add or take away from His words. So just do me that favor. But I want to give an example, and I'll get into the title in a moment, of a pastor, large church that um, some of you would know, a lot of you wouldn't, but very large church. I'm talking like 20,000 people. Um, in California. I believe he's in California. And I was listening to a video because I, I listen sometimes. Um, I tell you guys a lot, be careful what you listen to because there's a lot of stuff out there. And if you're not reading your Bible, you're going to be easily uh, discouraged. You're going to be easily, uh, um, the scriptures are going to be easily twisted. So be careful that you make sure that you pay attention to what you're watching. So I watch things sometimes because I want to hear what Things are being said, and I try to line up with the Word of God. And so this one pastor, was, 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 he gave a title that caught my attention. And, and he gave a story that he was, when they were building the church and it was growing, they were kind of with the young adults a lot, him and his wife. And there was a group of them that would get together on Fridays, and they'd play games, and they'd, and they'd hang out, and they'd go witness, and they would just love in life, serving God together. All of them were believers. All of them were going to church. But a lot of them were single. Um, and they think they were the only married couple. And so... Um, one, one week, all of a sudden, one of the guys just stopped showing up to church. And then another week went by, and he wasn't there again. And several weeks went by, and this person wasn't at church. And, and uh, they finally began to worry what had happened to him. And I know how that is as a pastor. You see someone who just kind of uh, disappears, and you don't know where they're at. And so he says about four or five weeks later, all of a sudden, some guy comes in that's part of the group, and he's crying. And he says, what's wrong? And he said, didn't you hear? And he says, no, what happened? And he said, I don't even know the guy's name, but he said, so-and-so passed away in, an, in a car accident. He was drunk, driving, driving drunk, and he had a head-on collision and died. And that was the horrible, tragic news. But the sad thing for me is this pastor went on to say, after telling that story, his words, the Lord took him home. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't wrap my head around a person getting in a drunk driving accident and then telling somebody that the Lord took them home. That the Lord didn't have anything to do with him drinking or driving drunk or dying in that car accident. Does anybody follow me? But there's things that are said like that. Have you ever heard somebody say something and go, that ain't right? And it's to me, it's, and listen, I don't know what isn't, I, actually I do because of this video, but sometimes we don't know what people's intentions are, and, they, and we all can say something without meaning what we say, but 
but we have to be so careful, and I hear so much stuff that comes out of pulpits that blows me away, and I think, man, that's a lot of boldness to say something that strong. There's a difference between saying, you know what? The guy got in a car accident. We knew he knew the Lord, and we hope that he cried out to God, and we hope that he was right with God, and we hope that he went to heaven. There's a big difference between that and saying the Lord took him home. And so there's a lot of teaching in our lives that come into our churches and into our, our backgrounds and how we were raised and different things that can cause us, I believe, to be in a very dangerous place in our relationship with God. Because, again, all of us want to make it to heaven. So there's a doctrine, and, and, and once I say this, don't please, don't shut me out, don't shut me down, um, but listen to me all the way through, and it's called once saved, always saved. Okay? Once saved, always saved. This is, this is a belief that you can go... You can go to sites, you can go to churches, you can go to uh, doctrinal beliefs, and they will say these, these statements, and some very bold, very bold in the sense of um, almost, in my, in my estimation, almost playing God to say that, that, once, that what they believe is once somebody gets saved and believes in Jesus, listen, their words, there's nothing that anybody can do for them to lose that salvation. Nothing. That word, nothing, is a big word. And so that belief is there, and some of you might already know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention a denomination today, but I'm going to mention a name. And I'm not afraid to mention the name, for one, because he's about 500 years ago and he can't come beat me up or come, come, come argue with me. Um, but his name is out there. And, and if you look at the Bible, they weren't afraid to say names in the Bible. Amen. There's a lot of names in there that wish they probably weren't there. But... In the 1500s, a doctrine was started that, again, today is this doctrine, and I believe it is a dangerous doctrine. I don't believe it's a healthy doctrine. And before I get into the, 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 the gist of it, and I'm taking a little bit more time in this message because this is recorded and online, and I always want to come make sure I come across the right way. I'm not afraid to start, talk about something confrontational, but I don't ever want to say something that comes across the wrong way of what I'm trying to say. And what I want to make clear this morning is as we get into this a little bit is that Jesus' plan and his intention and his goal and his desire is for us to spend eternity in heaven with him. Okay? But to hear somebody say that you can say a prayer at an, at an altar and sometimes not even at the altar and believe on Jesus and then you have a ticket to heaven no matter what happens after that is not biblical. There is a life that we have to live. Um, we have to finish the race. But... God is on our side. Jesus wants us to be there. And so as I read these verses and I get into this a little bit and I, and I break this, this, what I believe is a false doctrine down by Scripture, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I just think it's a very dangerous thing. And there may be some people in here today, you're going to be like, man, I don't even know what he was talking about. Never heard that. Never thought about it. Big, no big deal. But some of you may have been raised in something like this, and you have a thought in your life, and it is not causing you to walk the way God wants you to walk. And it could even be causing you to live a life that's not pleasing to the Lord or in a place of danger. And our, int our intent and our desire is for everyone to make it to heaven. Amen? So I want, you to, I want to be clear about this, that when you have the title, Once Saved, Always Saved, I want you to understand that as a believer, you can be secure in your salvation. 
I am very secure in my salvation. Okay, I want to make that clear. I know right now, at this moment, today, if I died and passed away, I know I'm going straight to the presence of God. I am secure in my salvation. But I want you to understand some reasons why, beyond the fact that I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. There's something that I have to do, and we're not going to read it today because there's a lot of scriptures I'm not going to get to, but John 15 that you can read later. This is a great note-taking message. John 15 that you can read later. Jesus said some very simple words, and he said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And so that's the gist of what I want you to understand today. Jesus wants us to get to heaven, but he has a way. As a matter of fact, he even said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets unto the Father except through me. So we have to do things Jesus' way. Can I get an amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, I ask you to anoint my words. I know that you want me to preach this. I know it's going to help people. I know it's going to guide people. I know that we're going to speak straight from your word. And I pray it's going to set some people free. It's going to answer some people's questions. I pray, Lord, that the devil will not win in any way in this situation, that our ears will be open to hear, and that you'll anoint anoint me to speak what you've told me to speak. And I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So this doctrine is not a thousand years old. It's not 1,500 years old. It's not 2,000 years old. It's about four or 500 years old. In the 1500s, breaking off from Catholicism, there was something called the Reformation. And a lot of churches began to break off from the rules and the traditions of the Catholic Church, And that wasn't because that was the only church. The Catholic Church was not the only church, but it was a very strong entity. They began to, for example, they began to say that baptism, as we teach, is not for infants. It is for a believer. It's for someone of age. And they're baptized in water, and they're immersed in water, not just sprinkled by water. And those kind of things began to happen. And and as as many things happen in life, uh, I love what my pastor says. He says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Many good things start off with good intentions. And so people begin to try to break down and dissect the Word of God. The problem is is when you begin to take the Word of God and you begin to mess with it, first of all, that's a dangerous thing in the first place. But when you begin to feel like you are an authority and you can twist or change or or see scriptures in a different way, you have people behind you who are going to follow what you're teaching, and that's the danger. It's not just for you. It's for the people who are listening to you. So in the 1500s, a man named John Calvin started what's called the Calvinist belief, Calvinism, okay? And here's a few things that he believes from the scriptures, which I do not believe are biblical. He said, for one, and I'm just going to make this real clear, and I'm going to be really blunt on this, he said that he believes in what's called predestination. Now, there's, I want to say this, for every verse that you can take in the Bible to have a belief, you can find a verse for it. I told the guys on Friday, sometimes I lead in on discipleship, talking about some of these things. I worked with kids for many years. A lot of you guys don't know that. Carl and I had a ministry in Costa Rica, worked with thousands of kids. I could make a doctrine today, if I wanted to, by one verse, and I could say that only kids are going to go to heaven. I could make a doctrine. Because Jesus said, unless you become as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So I could take that verse, and I could make a doctrine of it, and somehow people would follow that, and maybe it exists. But you cannot take a, a make a doctrine or a belief out of one verse, ever. It's a dangerous thing. You have to take all the verses from Genesis to Revelation, bring them all together, and get an answer. Is everybody with me? So he says that uh, this belief, this, this uh, man, John Calvin, says predestination is um, that 
sorry, they believe in predestination, and that belief is this, that, that uh, Junior's going to heaven and I'm going to hell. That um, Angel's going to heaven and Maya's going to hell. And just, he's, he's already chosen, before we were ever born, who's going where. It's called predestination. And I'm just going to make a real bold statement, and I don't have any problem with it. God's right there. If that's the God of the Bible, I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't, I, I don't believe that that's God's character. That he, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Not some people that he already chose and some people that he didn't. So predestination is not what they say it is where he chose who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell. He knows because he's God. He sees the end from the beginning. Does everybody follow that? That's one of the beliefs. Another one is that we do not have free will. That man cannot make their own decisions. We cannot make our own decisions. We do not have free will. To me, free will and from the Bible is the greatest gift God ever gave. And it's all throughout the Bible. At going back to the same verse I just read, he gave us a choice. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. If you don't want to believe, you don't have to. Okay? But how many know there's consequences to every decision we make in our life? And then finally, there was another thing. And listen, this is, this is all, I'm not making this up. You can, argue, you can try to argue with me. This is straight off of, off of the beliefs and what's written down and on doctrine. And limited atonement, meaning Jesus only died for certain people. Okay? Now listen, this was not the belief of the early church. Okay? I'm going to quickly, and I've got to get through this quickly, um, read just a couple quotes from a couple of people from the early church. One name, his name was Martyr. I don't know if that's where Fox's Book of Martyrs came from, but his name was Martyr in 163 A.D. That's just 160 years after the Bible was written. Okay? It says, he says these words, I hold further that those of you who have confessed and known this man to be Christ, yet have gone back for some reason to the legal dispensation of the Mosaic law or to some other belief or some other religion and have denied that this man is Christ, that means the anointed one, and have not repented before death, you will by no means be saved. That's from an early Christian founding father of the Christian church in 163 A.D. In 212 or 15 A.D., a man named Tertullian said this, God has foreseen that faith, listen closely, even after baptism, would be endangered. He saw that most people, listen to that, most people, after obtaining salvation, would be lost again. Why? By soling their wedding dress and by failing to provide for their oil for their torches. That was the kind of mentality that the early church had. We've got to keep oil in our lamps. We've got to keep our clothes clean. We've got to stay in love with Jesus. It was never, hey, I got a ticket to heaven. I said a prayer. I got baptized and I'm already in heaven. That was never a teaching of the early church. Now, let me give you an example off of baptism. Water baptism. This is a fact. Somebody say fact. You know when you know facts, you know facts. Right? Right, Casey? Facts. A fact is a fact. People get, for some reason, and I believe it has to do with this erroneous teaching, people get baptized, and listen, I can tell you, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds. In 16 years of being in this church, hundreds of people, 
<laughs> right, Destiny? We talk about this all the time. Hundreds of people have gotten saved and baptized in this church, and when they came out of that water and everybody congratulated them, we've never seen them again. Then they're gone. And I guess they think they're, they're already in heaven or they've got their ticket and they're just going to live the rest of their life to, and we'll see them there. That's not what the Bible teaches. Baptism is simply an act of obedience. It doesn't save you. But he's mentioning here, he's seeing the same problem in 215 A.D. that we're seeing in 2024 A.D. That people think that getting saved is just going to a church service and saying a prayer, and then I go back out and live my life however I want to live it, and now I'm saved. And that's it. The twisting of God's word has been around since before the Bible was ever written, and I'll get that in a minute, but it's been around since Genesis 3. Okay? How many will go with the garden, to the garden with me for a minute? You can eat of everything in this garden, everything, 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 except, see, there's a condition. And I want you to write that word down right now, condition. You can eat of everything in this garden except that one tree. And if... There's the condition. If you eat of that tree right there, you will die. Okay? Everybody with me? Very simple. From Genesis in the beginning, everything's yours. You've got freedom. You've got free will. You can eat whatever you want. Go wherever you want. It's all yours. I love you. I'm a good God. Just don't touch that because I said so because that's mine. And I'm God. And I make the rules. And what does Satan do? Who has already fallen? Satan comes in as the cunningest thing in the whole garden, in the whole, all the animals, and says these words that's been around since that day. Will you really die? Will you really die? There's the twisting of the scriptures. Satan knows the Bible. He's been around a long time. And since that day, the twisting of the scriptures has happened. And I, and I believe this. Disobedience... Uh, has always been and always will be the problem. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you five reasons I believe this is so dangerous, and there's many more, but I'm going to give you five. Number one, it's man-made and not biblical. Let me tell you something. When you say, I believe in Calvinism, there's a problem with that. Anytime you have a belief that's tied to a person's name is a problem. Hello? Anytime you say, well, we believe in the gospel of, or the church of, or the name of, well, we're Calvinists. How about being a Jesusist? Amen? How about being a Jesusist? Not a Calvinist, not a, a Lutheran, not a Wesleyan, not a whatever. There's a bunch of them. How about being what Jesus said? He never intended all these denominations. He never intended all these church groups. And that's why I told you we have an advantage, that we're not tied to one. It's a, it's a blessing. And so we have people here from all kinds of denominations because we're a non-denominational church. Okay? Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? It's man-made and not biblical. Number two, it gives a false sense of security. I just told you a minute ago, I can be secure in my salvation. But once saved, always saved, you can't lose your salvation. You, you're, you've got your ticket made already. Gives you a false sense of security. Okay, number three, 
it denies and negates free will. Because this is going to sound crazy, but what if I don't want to go to heaven? I know that sounds crazy, but are you with me? Are you following my logic? I get saved. God changes my life. I leave drug addiction. I leave alcoholism. I leave womanizing. I leave all these things. I'm a new person, and I'm living the life, and I I've got baptized, and I'm going to church, and everything's great. But at one point, as a human being, I say, you know what? I like my old life better. I want to go back and do my old things. According to this scripture, to this belief, I can't because I'm saved. I know it sounds crazy, but so does the other way. That there's nothing that I can do to not not make heaven my home. That's a dangerous statement. So that's free will. Santos was telling me between services, was it the Incredibles? He he said the family was watching the Incredibles, and the guy guy was suing Mr. Incredible for saving him. He didn't want to be saved. So what if I don't want to be saved? What if I get saved and I think, you know what, I don't like this salvation thing. That doesn't make sense, church. It doesn't hold ground. It doesn't hold water. It has holes in it. Number four, it gives a license to sin. It does not teach holiness. It does not teach separation from the world. It does not teach righteousness. It does not teach the fear of God. It gives a license to sin, and I call it greasy grace. Greasy grace. Listen, grace is not so you can mess up. Grace is not so you can go do whatever you want because you're a Christian and you're free. Grace is for when you make a mistake and you need to get back. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You fell, I'll pick you back up. You get right back on track again. That's what God's grace is for. Not to abuse it. Number five, it goes along with that. It's a mockery. I got ahead of myself. A mockery and an abuse of the grace of God. Now listen, salvation is not unconditional. It's not unconditional. Starting with Genesis 3, and we're going to go through the Bible quickly. If you all stay with me, we're going to go through this as quick as I can. And I'm trying my best to, be, to articulate this in a way that comes across loving, that doesn't come across that I'm better than anybody else. I'm just telling you what the scriptures say, okay? Salvation is something that has conditions. Not to be saved, but to stay saved. You have to do nothing to be saved except believe. We teach that. Don't, don't get twisted. We're not a works-oriented belief. We don't think we're going to get to heaven because we're good people. We understand our righteousness is filthy rags, and we do not deserve heaven. We do not deserve salvation, and we can do nothing to earn it. We are simply saved because we believe, period. Okay, I want to make that clear. That's how you get saved. Not by works, lest we should boast. But once I get saved, i got to live the rest of my life, and i got to get to heaven. And i got to abide in Jesus, and he'll abide in me. So every promise, listen, and I'm going to show you, of salvation in the scripture has a condition. You're going to see that. But I want to say this as good news. God never fails on his condition. Did y'all hear that? We fail. God never fails. God can't fail. That's why you hear me say all the time, God will love you all the way to hell. He won't put you there, but he'll love you all the way to hell. Because he's a God of, of promises, but he has to, he has to, he'll live up to his side, but we're the ones that fail. Can I get an amen? Now, I'm going to get into some verses, but I want you to listen to me carefully. 
I could take the time to grab some of the verses, 10, 12 verses that they use for the foundation of that belief. But I want to tell you something. For every one verse that they have to, to say that once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation, I can give you 10 that shows you can. 10 to 1. Now, how many want to go through 100 scriptures? All right, a couple people. We'll go through them. Amen? The rest of you, you got to listen to the ones I chose. Watch this. Okay? Conditions. If. Watch this. Colossians 1. 21. And you, now as we're reading this, I want you to listen to me closely. These are not verses talking about people in the world. These are verses talking about believers. Okay? He's talking to the church of the Colossians. And he says, you who once were. See, when you get saved, you were that person, but now you're not. Okay? You come into a position of justification, a position of salvation, a position of forgiveness, but you have to stay in that position. It's a position. Have you ever heard someone say they were out of position? you got to stay in position. Okay, You once were alienated and enemies in your mind by what? Say it with me. I'll participate. By what? Wicked works. Yet now... He, Jesus, has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless. Leave it here for just a second. And, and above reproach in his sight. So go back to one verse again. i, I got to start this off good. You once were alienated. Okay, You once were lost. Now you're not. You once thought a certain way. Now you're not. You once were wicked in your works. But now you're not because of Jesus. Right? Because of Jesus. Now watch 23. If. If. Indeed you continue in the faith. Steadfast and grounded. That's a position. Do you see the if? Everybody with me? If is a condition, right? If you continue, if you stay steadfast, if you stay grounded, and are not moved away by, from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now watch this. Let's go back to 22 again. We read, actually, 21. I, I'm spending time on this one to get this foundation going. You once were alienated. Now you're not. Your mind was wicked works. Now it's not. You've been reconciled because of the body, verse 22, of Jesus Christ. And then if we go to 23, watch this. I'm going to skip down to which I, Paul, became a minister. We have to take out the entire rest of that scripture. You see what I'm saying? Got to take it out. Because he's saying, You'll, I'm a minister of the gospel. I used to be wicked works. I was alienated. And I stay that way if I continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. And I don't move away. You don't lose your salvation. You walk away from God. What did Psalms 91 say? If you abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That means you stay under the wings. What happened to the prodigal son? He left home. The father didn't go chase him. He said, you want to go leave? Go leave, but I'm, 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 I'm here. This is, you come back if you want to. And what did he do? He came back. And he said, he who once was dead, and now he's alive. Hebrews 3. 
Verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Watch this. In departing from the living God. He's not talking to people in the world. He's talking to believers. Right? When he says beware, he's talking to the church. Beware lest there be in, in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So that means I can believe and then I can stop believing. What saves us? Belief. Right? We're saved because we believe. We're saved because what if, what if a person believes in Jesus? And I know, I know people. You don't think this, is, this happens? You know right now there's singers and pastors and, and all kinds of famous people denouncing their faith and saying they don't believe in Jesus anymore? They're denouncing. They're, I don't believe it anymore. We know an atheist and an agnostic comes to Christ from, from believing in nothing. Well, there's people that come to Christ and go back to believing in nothing. You don't think that exists? Of course it does. They're called apostates. But the problem is, the twisted of the scripture is, is this belief tells you that, listen closely, if you leave the faith, you were never really saved. That's hogwash. Let me tell you why it's hogwash. You know there's no better testimony than an experience. Right? Anybody believe that? I'm using the Bible, okay? Let's go back to that in just a second, Joel. I'm using the Bible right now, but let me tell you something from personal experience. And Nico just shared this two weeks ago when he got baptized. Personal experience. I don't need the verses. I'm using them. I am a personal example that you can backslide. And there is nobody in this room that can convince me different than the fact that when I got saved, I walked away from God. And that when I got saved again, and I gave, yes, again, when I gave my life back to Jesus because I had left, I knew that night, if I didn't change, I was going to hell. You and nobody else in this world can tell me that that wasn't true. I would, matter of fact, one of, the, one of the teenagers was asking me between services for my testimony, and I sat over there by the chair where Eric is, and I told him, and I, and I broke down crying again. Because 30 years later, it's still real to me. I couldn't get it out talking to him because I remembered the night after being saved at eight years old at a, at a kid's camp and believing in Jesus and changing my life and living the next four or five years on fire for God into, through junior high into high school before I had horrible examples. If any of you are new in the church and you know me and you know this church, how hard I am on our youth leaders, and they're now all pastors. And the people who've served in our youth group have gone on to be pastors. I said, don't you play games with our youth. You can have fun, but you better give them the word of God. Because I went through my high school years, and it was nothing but fun and games. And I backslid. And I began to go back to my old ways, and I began to do things I never should have done. And there wasn't a night that went by through high school that I didn't lay in my bed coming from a party, coming from being with women, doing wrong things that I didn't cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry, because I knew I was wrong. But guess what? I love the world too much, and I got up the next morning and I did it again. I was disobedient to God. Don't you try to tell me you can't walk away from God. God never left me, but I left him. 
I walked away from him and I got into disobedience. And I walked away from the conditions of God of abiding in him. And when I got to that place my senior year in high school, or, or sorry, my first year of college, when I had backslidden, I was totally lost. I was mad at God because my youth leader blew his head off in high school. Took his own life. My name's on his gravestone. I was mad at God. Thank God my dad said, like a good parent, as long as you're in my house, you're going to church. He made me go to church as an 18-year-old in college. And because he made me go to church, I showed up to church on a Tuesday night for a revival. And I heard the, the preaching on hell. And I heard the voice of God. And these scriptures don't need to be read for me to know that God told me, if you don't change tonight, that's where you're going to spend eternity. It's real. The devil's real. His lies are real. His deceptions are real. He'll, he'll lull you to sleep. He'll put you in boiling water, and he'll turn it up real slow, and you'll be boiling before you even know it because you'll compromise on things that you know are wrong. I knew I was living in sin. I knew I had to get right. And that night he said, if you don't come to that altar right now, you're going to spend eternity in that place. It wasn't because Jesus didn't love me. It's because he loved me so much he couldn't lie to me. He couldn't change what he had told me. I had to obey his word. I ran to that altar, and I stood at that altar, and I told this teenager he couldn't believe it. It was 930 at night. And when I got up, there was only th four people left, my parents, the pastor, and the evangelist. And it was 12.30 in the morning. I spent three hours at the altar. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, to downgrade your salvation or your conversion, but how many of you spent three hours at an altar when you got saved? And not only did I get saved and changed, I got called into the ministry. And I'm doing what I got called to do right now for the last 30 years. Because I know you can lose your salvation and you can walk away from God. And you can go to a sinner's hell because you don't believe God's word. Some of you that were in the first service are like, this is way different. Where were we, 13? I already know I'm not going to get through this. Beware. If you get an evil heart, of unbelief in departing from the living God. I did that. But exhort one another daily. That's why we come to church. That's why we have small groups. That's why we call you and tell you we missed you. Where you been? Haven't seen you for a while. Lest any of you, who's any? Anyone. He's not talking to sinners. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to believers. Be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if, see it there? We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the, when's the end? When you breathe your last breath. When's the end? When the sky opens up and Jesus comes back for us. Now, I, I, I thank God for our awesome crew back here and our technology. I've got some key words that I had people write down and it took a while and it's, and we'll have it in this small group, but I'm, I, they're going to put it up on the screen. These are some key words, if you want to write some of them down, that show and prove the conditions. We get saved by grace 
not by works, lest anyone should boast. But the way I stay in good standing with God is these words. And these are out of many, many verses. I keep on believing. I abide means I stay. I remain. I endure. Have you ever heard Matthew 24? He who endures till the end shall be saved. Persevere. Stay. You're married in here today. Newsflash. You can change. You can get divorced. You can love that person to death when you get married, but you forget to, to the till death do us part part. And then you say, I don't love you anymore. And you walk away from your marriage. That happens in everything in life. It can happen with God. Because we have to finish. We have to be watchful. I just ask you the question, why are all these words in the Bible if we're just automatically in heaven when we say a sinner's prayer? Amen? I'm not mad, church. I'm just fervent about this. I'm just serious about this. Hold fast. Strengthen. Repent. That's the key to revival is repentance. People saying, I'm sorry for my sins. Overcome. Continue. Be vigilant. Labor. Pursue. Be diligent. And I didn't write, that's not a typo. It's believing. I got to continue to believe. I'm a believer, and I continue to believe that Jesus' word is what it is. How many are still here? One of the clearest examples in the Bible, remember I told you I can give you 10 for every one. One of the clearest examples in the Bible is Demas, of a true backslider who was saved and loved, loved the world too much. In Colossians, you can read this later for time, uh, 4 and Philemon 1, you see Paul saying about Demas, he says these words, Luke the beloved physician and Demas greet you. And then in Philemon 1, 24, he says, they salute you, Aristocrus, Demas, Lucas, and listen, he says, my fellow laborers. He does not say, this guy that's just hanging out with us, a laborer. Paul would not call him a fellow laborer if he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay? So he is a laborer. He is, he is greeted in one chapter. He's a laborer in the other. And now look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and watch how Demas ends. Paul says, be diligent to come to me quickly. Watch this. For Demas has forsaken me. Now, it wasn't that he just left him in the ministry because we saw that. Paul and Barnabas separated. Mark separated. But look what he says. Having loved this present world has departed for Thessalonica. He fell in love with the world again. I just told you, you don't have to believe me, but I hope you don't ever have to experience it for yourself. I loved the world more than I loved Jesus. And that was a choice I made because the world had me. And that my slip and your slip and many of you who have slipped and backslidden and gone back to your old ways at some point in your life, you didn't do it overnight. Nobody backslides overnight. It's a slow fade. You don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm going to go back to drugs. and being, I, I kind of liked living in the street. I kind of liked you know, not knowing where I was when I woke up. That was kind of fun. You don't do that. 
You start making the wrong decisions. You start doing the wrong things. You start hanging out with the wrong people. And so it says he loved this present world. And then James 4, 4 tells us, if you love the world, you're an enemy of God. Doesn't the Bible tell us you got to choose? You're either on the left or the right. You're either in the light or the darkness. If you come out of the light, out of the darkness into the light, do you think you can go back to darkness? Absolutely you can go back to darkness, just like you came out. you got to stay in the light. you got to be in the light. Can I get an amen? Here's some more verses that say our salvation is conditional. Hebrews 6. Let's go back to 6. I'm going to try to push through these fast. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and having tasted the heavenly gift, and have become part. This isn't talking about someone who went to a church, heard a prayer, or heard a message, said a prayer, got baptized, and left. It says, have been enlightened. It says, have tasted the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-day thing. And it says, having tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age have come. Watch this. Watch what it says here. If they fall away. If a verse says, if you fall away, that means, take it literal, you can fall away. Do you think they're just wasting their, I mean, we got to fill this Bible up. It was too short. It's not wasted words, church. It says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. That doesn't mean someone can't repent. Doesn't mean someone can't come back from that. It means if they love the world too much, they will at some point get turned over to what God calls a reprobate mind. Read Romans. Did you know that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing? You don't just blaspheme the Holy Spirit in one word. Do a study on that, and you'll find out. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a process. And, and many have asked me over the years, Pastor... I mean, many times, Costa Rica, here, Africa, everywhere. I think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Well, you know you didn't because you're concerned about it. Because when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have backslidden to a place where you no longer hear the voice of God. And church, I'm telling you that that night, October 4th, 1992, God was telling me, change now or you'll no longer hear my voice. Because you're in a place of a reprobate mind. I've, I, see, I had seen too much at that age. I had seen blind eyes open. I had seen lives changed. I had seen miracles in my, in my short life. Be, thank God being raised in a church that believed in miracles and signs and wonders. Y'all with me? So he says, if, if, they, if they fall away, they're crucifying Jesus again. And putting him to an open shame. So I said in the beginning, it's a disgrace and a mockery of the grace of God. When we continue to go back to the old ways and do old things. It says, if they fall away to renew them. Now, that's verse 6, right? Now watch, next verse, Hebrews 10. Here we go again. For, shout it with me. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the... Let me know it takes some time to get the truth. Some of you have been saved for a while and you're learning. You're finding out what's wrong and right. You're finding out what you should and shouldn't do, what the Bible tells you. It's not an overnight thing. Now you know the truth. If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. We cannot just keep doing what we know we're not supposed to do and mock God. Mock the cross. 
Mock the blood of Jesus. Trample, the Bible says, on the blood of Jesus. But you know why people do this? Because they believe in erroneous doctrines. They don't, don't talk about holiness and don't talk about righteousness and don't talk about separating yourself from the world. It says then, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Revelations 2. I'm trying my best to run through these fast. Nevertheless, I have this against you. If you haven't read Revelations 1, 2, and 3, you should read it. It's seven churches. It's a pretty good picture. I want somebody to shout out how many churches, the seven churches, were in good standing. Two out of seven. That's not bad in baseball. That's not good in church. Two churches out of seven were living holy lives. That's probably a good picture today. Of seven believers who claim to be Christians, two might actually be living the life. That shouldn't be the case. But do you think there's a reason why Jesus said this, no, this, this road is narrow? It's not narrow to get saved. To believe in Jesus is just a prayer. Right? To believe, I believe, Jesus, I believe. That's, that's not that hard. It's to stay on the road that's hard. Broad is the road to destruction, and few or many find it. Narrow is the road to salvation because few find it or stay on it. Where was I? Nevertheless, I remember, therefore... Go back one side. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have. You didn't even let me read that, Joelle. You trying to go home? You in a hurry? Love, Joelle. It's like another daughter to me. He says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Listen, you've left your first love. You know what that means? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that educated, but it means you can leave your first love. You can leave it because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have means you can fall. Repent and do your first works. Remember when you first got saved? Remember when you first got saved? How excited you were? How on fire you were? I've got some people in here who have been saved for a few months. You're so excited and on fire. Love it, but you got to keep it. I want to do this. I want to do that. We're going to go out. We're going to go. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. But stay. Make sure you understand it's a marathon. It's a marathon. I'm going to be in this in 30 years from now. I've been in it for 30. I'm going to be in it 30 years from now. How many are going to be in it with me in 30 years from now? We're not going to just be excited for a little bit. So if I start to drift, he says, go back to the first things you were doing or else. You mean God says, or, or else I will come to you quickly. Watch this, and remove your lampstand. You have to be a believer to have a lampstand. The world doesn't have a lampstand. He says, I'll remove it. Unless what? Is that a condition? Unless you repent. So if I keep on doing those wicked things, and I keep on trampling on the blood of Jesus, and I keep on stepping away, and I keep fading away, and I and I don't repent, what happens? Revelation 3, is that 2? I'm going to go through this part. Go down to verse, go past that part. Where he says, I know you're dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For, watch this, if I have not found your works perfect before God. 
Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Here's that word. Hold fast. Repent. And watch this. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come. Now watch this. This is the strongest verse of the whole one. I save this for, for now. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. Thank God there's always, no matter how bad a church is or how lost a church is or how bad the doctrine is, there's someone who says, I take this thing serious, and I'm not going to defile my garments. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live for Jesus. Amen? I'm going to thankful for that. He says, they shall walk with me. Watch this. They shall. Shall means future. Doesn't say they are walking with me in white. We're not walking around, around in white robes right now. We're not in heaven. You know some people teach this is heaven? You know they do. Hello. There are people who teach this is heaven and hell. How can it be both? For they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Why are they worthy? Because they stamp in me. They continue in me. They abide in me. He who overcomes shall be, shall be, shall be, future, clothed in white garments. And listen, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I won't blot it out. But I'll confess his name before my father and his angels. If he says I won't blot it out, I'm not that educated, but it means it can be blotted out. Amen. Oh, but you know this, that, and the other. Well, go ahead and keep on with that. See, see where that gets you. Read the Bible literally. Read it as it is. He who has an ear, let him hear. One more. Give me one more. Well, you're stuck anyways, because if you get up, you'll look like you're rebellious. So, Second <laughs> Peter 2, watch this. For if, let me notice how many ifs I've read in the last few minutes. If, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this isn't someone just comes in and does a prayer. They have known the knowledge. They have escaped the pollutions. And they are again entangled in them and overcome. So I can, I, when I get saved, I'm free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Okay? When a, when a cow or a pig or a sheep gets stuck in the fence and you go undo the thing to get them unstuck, they're free. And they can roam around the yard, but guess what? They can go back and get stuck again. That's what we do as Christians. He frees us. We got to stay un we got to stay free. Okay? But if we go back and entangle ourselves with those things of the world, it says and they're overcome, the latter will be worse than the beginning. That's why Jesus said when someone gets saved and they clean their house and then they go back to their old ways, the demons come back seven times stronger. Right, Nico? He just testified this 2 weeks ago. Nico, just stand up for just one second. I want to see everybody. Just let them see your big old self. Okay? Big old strong self. Thank you. Y'all go talk to Nico after if you're not afraid, intimidated. And you try to tell Nico, you can't backslide. You didn't backslide. Try to tell someone who's been through it, has experienced it. You know why we're doing this? So you don't have to. So you can hear the truth now. 
So you don't have to go through that. We want everybody to go to heaven. Amen? For it would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. Musicians, you can be to come. But as it has happened, watch this. Look how the Bible calls this. But as it has happened to them, according to the... In other words, this was happening in, in, in the first church. It was happening according to these two men in the second and third century. It's happening today where it says, a dog returns to his own vomit. And a sow, a pig, having washed, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? You get clean, you got to stay clean. By repentance of sins. First John says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Amen? To her wallowing in the mire. Now last thought I want to give you, and I got a lot more stuff I didn't get into. Write this down. God's grace will keep us. How many believe God's grace will keep us? But not like a Colombian cartel. Where they, they, they kidnap you, put you in the, in the basement, lock you up, tie you up, and you're against your own will. That's not grace. Right? If, if Jesus, I want you to picture something with me. If Jesus loves us like we know he does, he embraces us. Brings us home. Fills us with his grace. Holds us. Says, I got you. You're, you're saved. Let's go to heaven. Live with me. I know it sounds crazy, but what, but what if that person began to want to break away? Is it grace if I don't let go? Y'all with me? Angel, come here. I'm Jesus. Angel comes to get saved. I'm going to go like this. I, I, I love him. I, I died for him. I saved him. I want him to go to heaven with me. And he's like, man, I feel safe. You feel, feel love? Right? <laughs> but grace is that he, he doesn't deserve me to be holding him. He didn't do anything to deserve it. I, I accept him. I don't know anything about him, but I accept him. I died for him. But now, in his own free will, he doesn't want, he, he says, can you let me go? And I don't, we don't have to. You want to? Do you want to? Okay. <laughs> but he says he doesn't want to. That's smart. But at some point, if he says, I don't, I don't want you to hold me anymore, if I hold on, and I don't let him go, how is that grace? Now, now tell me you want to go. No. You've got to go, you go to heaven with me. Okay? Now try to get away. Don't punch me or nothing, but try to get away. Okay? That's, can you imagine that? I know it sounds crazy, but that's, that's, not, that's not free will. Tell me you really want to go. You really want to go? You really don't want to be with me? No, that's good. You play the part. All right? You really don't. Then I let him go. Thanks. And he goes. He left. I'm still here. I had him. He was, with, he was abiding in me. He was with me. 
But he wanted to leave. If he doesn't have the choice to leave, then he doesn't have free will. Now, if he wants to come back again, I'm still here. And that's the picture. But also the scripture tells us, if he keeps on coming back, and keeps on coming back, and every time he comes back, I'm like, man, you, you know, if you keep going out there, not only is it frustrating me because you're abusing my grace, you might not come back. You might, you might get lost out there because the devil's out there looking for you. The last time I read the Bible, it said that the devil was a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. Now, if we're, if we're in the world and we're not saved, Satan don't have to devour us. We're already on our way to hell. So he's talking about Christians. He's talking about tripping up people who are believers, getting trophies. One more verse. How many believe a coin can be lost? There's a parable about that. How many believe a sheep can stray away? There's a parable about that. He said he'll leave the 99 sheep, not goats, because if you know the Bible, a goat is an unbeliever, a sheep is a believer. He'll leave the 99 sheep and go after the one. That means one wandered away. So you can wander away. But here's our, our, our goal today, James 5. I'm going to skip Jude. Read Jude for homework. It'll only take you five minutes, just one chapter. Read the book of Jude. Angels disobeyed. Do y'all, y'all realize that? Angels in heaven, in free will, turned away from God. One-third of the angels led by the most used Lucifer and left heaven. Because God said, if you want to leave, there's the door. Some people have asked the question over the years, how come Satan can't be redeemed? Because he left heaven. None of us have been to heaven. Satan left the presence of God. Can you imagine how sober-minded we should be as believers? To think that if Satan himself, in Lucifer in the presence of God, could walk away and leave God, we can't walk away. One-third of the angels followed him. And ever since Genesis, the Israelites did the same thing. And, the, and all the descendants did the same thing. And everybody's done the same thing. People walk away all the time. And they leave such a beautiful salvation. And they go back to their pigsty of their old life. But it says, brethren, if anyone turn among you wonders. Here's another verse. If you wonder from the truth, you can wonder. And someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul. Now, some would say, no, see, it says a sinner. Go back to 19 again. It says, well, they're, they're a sinner. They weren't saved. If any one of you wanders from the truth, that means you knew the truth, and turns their back, you can't turn your back on something you were never a part of. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Today you can turn back. Father, as they're listening to me, listening to you, if there's people in this place today that have wandered, maybe they're watching, I hope they're watching online. We, I know of many people come to my mind, faces come to our minds, to our, to our hearts that have left, that have tasted the goodness of God, that have cried at an altar, <clears throat> seen the goodness of God, 
seen the mercies of God and have decided that they love the world more than they love you. We probably would never outright say that, but we show it with our actions. Lord, let them know right now they can come home. They can come back. Lord, that you might walk 50 steps away from you, but it's just one step back to repentance. Lord, you're married to the backslider. You love us all the way to hell if we choose to go there, but we don't have to go there today because you said, I go to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. Father, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place and you're speaking your spirit to these people and I've said what you've told me to say and I've shown in the word of God the danger of a false security, of a false assurance that I don't have to live a life that lines up with the word of God that you said in your word, if you love me, obey my commandments. That's the truth, God. That if I truly love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength, I'm not going to disobey you. I'm going to do everything I can to walk a holy life and live a holy life and be thankful for your grace that you died for me while I was still a sinner. How many in this place this morning, you may be here and you've never heard the gospel. You may be watching online. You may be listening to this podcast five years from now. But you're listening and right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you like he spoke to me the night I got saved. And he's telling you, you need to believe that I died on the cross for your sins. I took your place. You were born into sin. You are born a sinner, Psalm says. But today I can save you. I can set you free. I can put you on a solid foundation. And I can put you on the path to heaven if you'll just confess and believe in what I've done on the cross. And you'll say, I'm sorry for my sins. How many all over this place would say, Pastor, I've never said that prayer. I've never believed that until today. But today, I want to go on record. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to be saved. Just put your hand up and put it back down all over this place. Front to back, side to side. That's me. I've never known him. I want to know him today. I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm not asking you to be a part of our church or to be a member of our church or to be in a denomination or sign a member's card. I'm asking you, do you you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Today you can know him. He loves you. He died for you. He knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Maybe you're here today and at some point in your life, like me, you, you, you accepted Christ. You believed in Jesus. You gave your life to the Lord. But today, your life does not line up with God's word. And today, the Holy Spirit's telling you, you need to get right. You need to get back on track. You need to get back in the path of righteousness and obedience to my word. You're in danger of wandering away. You're in danger of falling How many would say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I'm not going to embarrass you in front of anybody, but I want you to talk to God. I see your hand. I want you you to tell the Lord, that's me. I, I see your hand. I'm coming back. I see your hand. I'm coming home. I've been playing games. I haven't taken this serious. Today's the beginning of a new new day for me, a new life. As that verse said, don't harden your hearts today. Don't let religion harden your hearts. As we stand today all over this place, could you please stay in this attitude of reverence? How many remember the day you gave your life to Jesus? Let me see your hand if you remember the day you gave your life to Jesus when everything changed. Amen?
What a day. What a glorious day. When we, we came out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a, what a savior we have today. How many love him today? How many are thankful today for his blood, for his love, for his compassion, for his mercy, and the fact that he lets us choose? He's not standing above us saying, you've got, you've got to do this. I give you choice, but you don't have to. But I got a good life for you. I got a, I got a blessed, expected end for you, a hope. I got a future for you. If you just obey my words, because he's God, and he can do what he wants to do. Amen? We're going to open up these altars, and in a moment when we get to the altar, I'm going to say a prayer for anybody that raised their hands. Several hands went up for, for rededication. Last week in our home church, they had about 50 couples that re renewed their vows. We need to, some, some, some of you today need to renew your vows with Jesus. So, Lord, I've been slipping. I've been falling away. I've, hopefully this message does not condemn you, but it convicts you to realize we have a Savior who loves us, but we got a Savior who's got conditions. He just wants us to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? And he knows our works. We can't hide nothing from him. Amen? We can't hide nothing. You can hide it from your parents, teenagers. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from me. But God sees everything. So true repentance is saying, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me in this place. God, how are we doing? Are we good? And if you have the right heart and a repentive heart, he'll say, yes, we're good. But stop doing that. You don't need to do that. That's hurting me. I died for that. Stop doing that willfully over and over again. Get over that. We set you free from it today. Maybe you're here today, and we, as we open this altar, one more thing. You're, 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 you feel like you're bound in that sin. You feel like you can't get over it. There's a thing called self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You say, no, I'm not watching that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not thinking that. I got the mind of Christ. Amen. Let's open these altars up. Just begin to come. Find a place. I want to challenge some of you that maybe have never stepped out, never came to an altar. Nothing bad is going to happen to you down here. It's all good. As you're coming, come as close as you can, please. This is a place of decision. The presence of the Lord is here. I can feel his presence. His love is here. His compassion's here. His forgiveness is here. If, you, if you're someone who's feel like you've stepped 50 feet away from God, I want you to listen to me. It's just one step back. Thank God you don't have to go 49, 48, 47. It's just one step back to the grace of God. And he sees your heart today. He loves you more than I love you, and I love you a lot. He loves you more than your spouse loves you, and they love you a lot. He loves you with a love we'll never even understand. But let's, let's reciprocate that love back. Amen? Let's reciprocate it back. Let's really show the Lord, I really love you, Lord. I really thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I really, really appreciate the fact that I'm not going to have to go to hell anymore because of your grace. That's all it is, is grace. Amen? I'm here thankful for his grace. Thankful for his grace that's sufficient for us. You know, in, in Romans 8, 38 and 39, a lot of people quote that verse. Neither death, nor life, nor pestilence, nor 
and it's on and on and on. All the height and depth and all these things can't separate us from the love of God. As you read those words, that's true. But none of those things have anything to do with us. They have to do with things that happen to us from the outside source. It's going off of what Pastor Mario said. God is our shield. He protects us from things that we have no control over. But people who are not going to make heaven their home, who have believed in Jesus Christ, are people who are, have, have not dealt with themselves, with the sin nature. The Bible says, he who is carnally minded is, is death. To be carnally minded is death. So now that we've been set free and forgiven, now i got to change my thinking. I can't just do whatever I want to do. And that, unfortunately, that's the erroneous teaching today with the greasy grace is, yes, you can. You're saved. You can do whatever you want. You're under grace. And most people aren't going to say it, but you see such a looseness in people's walk. And I, ask, I often ask people, what makes you different than the world then? What, how is your life any different than that person that's in the world if you do everything that they do? You said a prayer? Imagine spouses, if, if that was the way it was in your marriage, that they, your husband or wife came home every day and told you, I love you, you're the most important thing in my life, and they went and cheated on you the next day, every day. Wouldn't mean anything. The Bible still tells me that we'll be known by our works, right? It says, you'll know, you'll know they're my disciples by their fruit. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. So we've got to say, Lord, I need, I need a overhaul. Take anything out of me that's worldly. Take anything out of me that's ungodly. Take anything out of me that's perverted. Take anything out of me that's keeping me from becoming who you've called me to be. Amen. Let's say this prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for misunderstanding your word, for abusing your word sometimes. Help me to take your word as it is word for word, literally, and apply it to my life. Today, Jesus, I believe you are God. You came down from heaven, lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice on the cross for me. You died a horrible death, and you took all the sins of the world on you for me. Today I believe that, I receive that, and because of it, you also came out of that grave and defeated death. You are the resurrection and the life. Today, I die with you. I surrender to you. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to hate the things of this world, and I'm going to fall in love with you. And I'm going to abide in you and in your word. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me clean in your precious blood. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.